Hello, and welcome to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore the why in the teaching profession. I'm your host, Christy Everhart. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss that million-dollar question of what's your why in education? All right, well, thank you for joining me tonight for Our Heart for Teaching. And tonight I have the awesome privilege of talking with Hal Bowman. Welcome to the show, Hal. How are you tonight? I'm great. This is such a, man, we've we've been talking about this for how many months now, putting this whole podcast together, and now it's actually happening. I'm on the show. I love it. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited, too. I was like, I don't even know how to say that I'm excited, but I'm very excited. So, yeah. (laughs) This is super awesome. So thank you. And why don't you just introduce, I know I know a ton about you. I've been following you for a while and I've heard you speak at presentations, but some of our listeners might not know who you are. So would you just introduce uh, introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah, for sure. So I started out as a teacher. I was a teacher for a ton of years and I started out as a band director. I was actually a music teacher, K through 12 in a tiny little 1A district. And then I moved up to larger districts and did the whole high school band thing. And then at at one point, you know, I just kind of got burned out on that whole competitive Texas high school marching band thing. And And I really wanted to teach some other kids band so i got certified in biology and english and i taught some biology and language arts and english and then i was doing some uh peer assistance and leadership and mentoring programs and teen leadership back when that was still around and then one day uh, a, a, an assistant principal came into my classroom and when when i was teaching some really really challenging kids and she's like oh my gosh i'm gonna move to a junior high and be a principal over there we have kids just like this will you please come over and tell my new teachers what you do and how you do it and that started this whole presentation and speaking thing and then from there i created this teach a rock star full day event for educators and that got super popular and i did that for for about 10 years about the last 10 or 12 years and then i started another program called be the one which is all about shifting campus culture in a single day and now i have change a kid's life which is a video series and dear teacher book is out and so i'm just always creating trying to create new content that helps teachers that's awesome thank you for sharing your background with us you have definitely had all kinds of experiences and i find the shift from music into any kind of general education as impressive but that's way cool so how what made you decide that you wanted to be a teacher in the first place you know what it was? I think it's um it's it's a lot like everyone else. I just had, you know, looking back, I had so many influential adults in my life and they were all educators and my whole family's full of teachers and and you know teaching, you know, may, maybe for a lot of people as well really wasn't um it was always in the back of my mind, but the first thing, the forefront, you know, I was, I was a musician, so I really wanted to play music live and uh, but what happened, you know, when I student taught that became uh, just more exhilarating than the music, than, than the performance side. And I was just hooked, you know, I just got addicted pretty quick and, and there was no, it was no looking back after that. That's awesome. And did you, when you were student teaching, what age level were you working with the high school all through that? 
It was six through twelve, right? So I student taught in Katie ISD, and as a part of you know that whole um, instrumental music instructional team, you know it's a lot of team teaching where we'd all meet at the high school in the morning, then we'd all go teach at the junior high, and then we'd all go teach beginners, and we all go back to the high school and teach there, and then after school for sectionals and private lessons and full band rehearsals, and so I was constantly a part of this team, just moving around the district, and I loved it. And, you know, and like I said, you know, there, for, for a while there, that was the focus, but there's so much to that job that isn't teaching, you know, there's band boosters and uniforms and fundraising and summer band and band <laughs> camp and all travel and organizing buses and permission slips and, and just constantly a whole bunch of stuff that isn't in the classroom. And I just wanted more of that instructional time with the kids. Well, that makes sense. I like that. Can you talk to me a little bit about your why? So you said you loved the performances and then when you got into the college, you enjoyed the instructional side of it and decided, hey, let's go with that. So what became your why as a teacher as you started developing, hey, I do want to work with these kiddos. What is your big focus and your purpose in that education world? And even now as a presenter, because you've kind of expanded in your education world. Now you work with all kinds of people, educators all over the nation. Yeah. You know, I didn't, you know, my, my why has shifted. I've always said that, you know, there's reasons that we come into the business and oftentimes that's very different than reasons that we stay in the business. And for me, you know, I came in because like I said, it was the band director thing. I wanted to compete. I wanted to win. I want to do all that <laughs> stuff, but you know, I realized really quick that I mean, these kids aren't really going to be musicians. You know, at what I'm what 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 my class was, I'm just trying to create these high performing kids of exceptional character. And so that was a great breeding ground for learning how to teach academic classes because it's the same thing. Like it's like my, my whole goal is I really want to use the content of my classroom as the vehicle to teach you know, these kids, like, like whatever the ultimate lesson was for me that year, some, some years I was focused on courage and confidence and building the character of that kid. So the question is like, how do I, you know, you know, use biology and, you know, my classroom as a place where I can have, have an impact on that kid's character. And I became obsessed with that alone too. And, and so that's why I was kind of shifting, I went from biology to English and language arts and leadership and all that stuff. I just kept moving around, but it's really doing the same thing, just using, a different discipline to teach that same that with that same focus of improving this kid's character and creating great human beings, awesome young adults. And so for me, the whole why comes down to I I really want to empower people, whether it was kids or teachers now, to serve others and to give them everything that they need to make a difference in the lives of other people. You know, like, you know, in, in my classroom, I would think back, my, I would, I, you know, thinking back now, I can remember thinking to myself, you know, when I'm talking to a kid, maybe there's a discipline issue and we're out in the hallway talking, like, I remember having a conscious thought, I need to be really good in this moment because this is how this kid is going to parent his child in, you know, in 20 years from now. Like in those thoughts and really being conscious of the impact that we're having and how we're affecting this human being is critical. That's an interesting way to put it. And I know sometimes it's difficult in that moment to really stay focused on the grander picture of where the kid will be in 20 years from now. So I think that's an, a very impactful way to think about it. And I love how you say empower the students 
so that they can serve others and giving them all the tools they need to make a difference. That's, that's awesome. That's an incredible vision and purpose. As a, as a kiddo, when you were young, your, your interactions with your teachers and did that also give you any experience toward how you wanted to interact with students as you decided to be a teacher? Yeah, of course, you know, positive and negative. And, you know, and honestly, for most of my experience, it wasn't all that great. You know, I wasn't a great student. I didn't flourish academically. You know, I was in the fourth quarter, the graduating class. You know, I just was not an all-star for sure. But I did have those few along the way that really made a difference in my life. And I wanted to be that person for kids and you know it's it, it, you know talking about it it's, it's kind of selfish but it's beautiful and it's perfectly selfish and i think we should all feel like that like i really want to be the one i want to be the most influential adult in the lives of my kids and you know growing up you know as in 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 classes you know i had a handful of teachers that really were like that and to this day you know as i parent my own kids and how i live my life is a direct result of their influence how did you push past, I guess, because you said, I think you're the first one who's been really open and honest about, you know, not all of them were great experiences. So I guess I'm curious and I love that you focus on the ones who were awesome and, and point out that, hey, there were a handful who were the one and I want to be that one. Um, and I don't think that's selfish at all. I think that's awesome. How did you push past the negativity? Because if there's only that slight handful, and I'm asking, I guess, selfishly for myself, because I also had that where it's like, oh, I can count on my hand the number of teachers that I would say were impactful in a positive way. How did you take those negative experiences and turn them into a positive? Because I see a lot of people that just take the negative and they stay there and they stay stuck there. And then they sadly don't do anything positive because of their interactions with that. So how did you take those negative experiences and, and kind of go around them to work towards being the one that was the great? Yeah. You know, that's, man, that's such an important question because I, you know, I think for lots of kids, you know, with challenging issues and challenging backgrounds and things happening in their home and things happening with teachers in classrooms and maybe not being understood and teachers not learning their story, Man, like that, that's a huge issue for everyone. And I think for me, I don't know why I'm wired like this, but you know, when, when I, ha I remember having those experiences and I was still thinking about being a teacher, even though I was, I mean, I was barely passing classes in high school, just doing whatever I needed to do to get a 70 and get out of there. You know, I, I consciously had the thought, I'm not going to be, I am not going to allow my kids to go through this. When I, when I'm a teacher, I will not allow this to happen. And I just became in, I guess that, you know, for me it, coming into the classroom, I really excelled with a challenging population. Like those are my kids. Cause I understand it. Like the kid that says, this sucks. Why do we have to do this? I hate this. I'm like, brother, I get it. <laughs> like, I, right. I can totally get it, man. I was there, you know? And so because of those challenging experiences, I think that is what made me, um, you know, a more understanding, compassionate and empathetic teacher. You know, quite frankly, most teachers that come into the business do so 
because school was awesome and they had a blast and they sat first chair in the flute section and they were a cheerleader and they were, you know, on the you know, honor society and they're on student council and it's just fun. And I'm just going to be a teacher and they go to college and that's easy and that's fun and that's awesome. And then they become a teacher and they show up in the classroom and they got one kid out of 38 in their room that is like them. And the other one is just normal kids doing time, trying to get out of there. And they don't understand those kids. I understand those kids. Right. That's awesome. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love your purpose of, Hey, I'm not going to allow this to happen to my students. So like, we have to really talk about why we're there with these kids and what we want for them and who we're and who we need to be openly talk about it with our kids. It's absolutely critical. Absolutely. I agree. And then their expressions when they see that we're real, because I, I see so many of them who have, I guess, almost the cookie cutter experience where it's like, no, we're doing this. And it is purposeful. Like when they have the one teacher who's like, you're right, this does kind of suck. We're <laughs> still going to power through it. Like yeah. it, it's fun when you're actually authentic with them and, and being real. Cause what's the point in lying to them? I mean, it is their world and we can lie, but then trust issues and whatever, or we can be real and just work with them. I love it. Absolutely love it. You know, like that, the whole being real thing. I mean, for me, that's everything, you know, I was talking with uh, a, a group of superintendents the other day and we were talking about the lack of respect from students towards teachers. And I had to remind them, I said, you know, listen, when, when we were young, you know, we were in school in the seventies and the eighties, why were we respectful? And they said, well, because we were raised to be that way by our parents. And I said, well, that might be part of the problem, but isn't it true that you have a whole bunch of knucklehead kids with amazing parents. Haven't you found that? And they're like, yeah, of course. And I said, well, here's my theory. This is why I think there's been a lack of respect. The reason we were respectful in the seventies and the eighties is because we did not know the truth. Mm. We were convinced that adults were awesome and we had nothing, <laughs> nothing out there to let us know. Otherwise, this is a generation that knows adults are crazy and they do ridiculous <laughs> things all the time. And they see it every day on social media, on the news, and so like, and so a kid is thinking, I mean, look, I mean, look what the leader of the free world did. There's no, t you know, look at what these religious leaders did that, that are in the news. Look, look what these politicians did. Look what these professional athletes did. Look what these actors did. Oh my God. The, we see the fall from grace of the most respected people on the planet every day. And a kid is thinking, why, wh what, like, why should I respect you? There's no telling what you're capable of. And that's a right. great question. I think that's all we have left is to be completely real and authentic every day in every way with our kids. Exactly. I have mad respect for that one because I just don't see the point because they're going to figure it out anyway. And I think that they have a huge level of respect when we can own up, you know, and be real with them as well. Because I always say, I'm like, I view you as like a mini adult. Um, and I work with my junior high kids. I'm like, you're a mini adult. Like soon you're going to be in my world. Like this is the time you get to figure it out. You just got some help, help along the way, you know? Um, and we get to guide you with that, but there's no reason for me to like try to lie my way through it. Cause they can see it. It's awesome. Like they're smart. I love it. Yeah, man. It's so, the same thing. You know, even, like even with my kid and his, you know, my, my boy 16 and his homies, I'm like, I'm like, dudes, listen, the only difference between me and you is, you know, we think the thing, we think the same things. We have the same thoughts. You guys say it. I'm just mature enough not to say it. That's the only difference. I don't right. act on it or say it. You do. That's why you get in trouble. 
Fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah, they are very brave with what they say. So, Hal, how has, or right now, one of the things we're seeing is, you know, you've got a lot of teachers who are super burned out. They're leaving the profession. We're frustrated. We're tired. We're exhausted. We're navigating this world where the kids are super smart and have access to all this information. And, you know, and they're real with us telling us, why do we even have to do this? Because their world is so much different than what so many of us grew up in that you've mentioned you know, our education world that we're trying to teach in is different than what we experienced as students. How do you encourage teachers or what do you even do to reconnect with your why during those times where it's just really, really hard? Yeah, this is a huge question. There's a few, there's a few, um, there's, there's some layers to this. And, you know, the first one is, you know, I, you know, I see I'm in a lot of schools and and I see a lot of principals and school leaders working really hard to encourage their teachers. And I see them heading down the hallway with their jolly trolley cart and they have the teacher's favorite drink and favorite candy bar they bought. And, they, and there's an extra jeans day with your spirit shirt <laughs> and doing all this. fun. And like that is great, but it's also superficial and it's very temporary. Like, you know, you know, that that matters and it does help a teacher until some kid gives them the finger and talks about their mom, you know, the next day, and then it all wears off. But the thing that lasts is a couple of things. One is, is, is having to stay, we, we re, more than ever, we have to stay focused on the big questions in education, which is what do we really want for our kids as a result of our kids, of our students spending their lives with us. We're the most influential adults in their lives right now. It's us. We're the only people in their lives having a direct relationship with these kids and talking with these kids. I mean, if you think about it, like even their parents, I mean, how many times you've been at the Chili's and there's a, there's a family of four over there and mom and dad on their cell phones, a baby's on the iPad and other kids playing games. I mean, it's so we're the only ones talking to our kids. We have to decide, like, what do I want my lesson to be using the content of my classroom as the vehicle that we just talked about to teach this kid? What is that for you? And be focused on that and be able to articulate what that is. And also why, like focus every day on why I'm there. Why teaching? Why these kids? Why do I want to be the one? Why do I want to be the most influential adult in this kid's life and focusing on who do I need to be? If that's really going to happen, like who do I need to be as an individual, as a human being? Who do we need to be as a school family to serve these kids? And in addition to that, more than ever, like teachers have to come together to support one another with helping each other find the evidence that our work matters. And I am telling you, I mean, I'm in schools every day somewhere across the nation and I'm and I'm looking in classrooms and I see magical moments. I mean, truly monumental, magical moments that I know these kids are going to remember for the rest of their lives. But because we're teachers and we're in it every day, we're numb to it and we don't really recognize it. I recognize it because I'm not a part of that class. You know, there's a saying we all, I always say is that, you know, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. Right. The teacher's in the bottle. They're in this emotion. They're in the story of this class. They're in the narrative. I'm looking from the outside in. I can see so much detail, so much magical moments. And it's like we're numb to this incredible, this, these incredible things that are happening in our class. And, 
you know, you know, maybe because I'm old and I've been doing this, you know, for half a century. But, <laughs> you know, I can tell you, I can't I mean, so many times it just happened, you know, a few weeks ago I was in Minnesota and I'm in the airport and I hear this kid, oh, man. And I turn around and I see this kid and, you know, he's in his, you know, late thirties now. And we reconnect. He's a student of mine and he's, we're talking and this kid is recounting so many details, so many, so many tiny, minute details, stuff. I don't even remember, but talking about how much it meant to that kid. And like, that's what I'm talking about. This stuff is happening every day and we need to help each other see those moments and recognize them for what they're worth and truly what they're worth. I mean, these are life-changing moments for kids. I, I definitely think that I I've never heard it compared to being in a bottle, but we definitely get focused in our element and I know I've complimented other teachers and like, Oh my God, what you're doing is amazing. I wish I had this level of, you know, ability to do this like you do. And they're like, what are you talking about? Cause it, it does become very normal for us. Yeah. Um, and I think it's hard to kind of focus on the, Oh wow, this was really cool. So I like that you're mentioning that even years out kids are remembering those very powerful moments that happen inside our classroom that even we forget. That's very, very cool. You know, I think with like, that's something we have to talk about, you know, uh, regularly is, is like, you have to be willing to make the trade. And that trade is, you know, in our work in this business, oftentimes we don't see what we're constructing. You know, if you are a welder and you, I mean, you can see your work at the end of the day and what you created and what you built, or if you're in construction, or if you're in sales, you can see how many customers you got that day. The work that we do, you know, oftentimes we don't get the adulation. We don't get the gratification, the instant gratification and the, the ovation. We don't get any of that. But the work that we do, it lasts forever. Everything else at some point, you know, being constructed out there will deteriorate over time. But but people don't. What we do will have an impact for the rest of this kid's life. And you have to be willing to make that conscious trade is I'm willing to trade that instant gratification and to see the results of my work. I'm willing to trade that knowing that this kid is going to end up in a whole different university, a whole, di whole different universe, because I've shifted the trajectory of this kid's life. Exactly. Exactly. That's one of my favorite, favorite parts um, in teaching is, and for me, it's just, you know, I work with a lot of struggling students and I, I work with intervention classes. So I have a lot of the, the kiddos who just, to me, feel like really beaten down, you know, like they come to me and they're like, <laughs> I don't know who you think you are, but I already know I can't do this. So good luck, have fun. And really, really taking the time to, you know, try to change that mindset of the kiddo and then, you know, sometimes I don't get to see it that year or, you know, years later, I, I had, I guess when you were telling your story, the thing that came to my mind is I worked with eighth graders one year and I taught regular reading at that point. And mm, it was a huge class. I believe I had 36 that year and our desks were huge. So there was like no room in that class and they were all loud and eighth graders are like senioritis, but eighth grade version and uh i years later went to a golden corral with my husband and and this girl she comes up to me and she's like miss everhart miss everhart and i said yeah and she's like 
you taught me in eighth grade. She said, I just wanted to say, I'm so sorry. I was the most horrible person in the world to you, but <laughs> you, you worked with me and you were nice to me even despite that. And she said, and look, I'm being successful and I'm working now and I've got this goal. Like, and oh man, like just that moment, like was amazing. And, and knowing that, you know, Hey, cool. Like, especially working with junior high, cause they're their own breed. I love them, but you know, they, they, they're figuring things out, you know, and they're not always the nicest people. And, and knowing that, you know, eventually you grow up and you see the bigger picture. Like that's really cool. Even when we don't get to see it. So I love yeah, I think, that. You mean, I, th I think you really have to just keep reminding each other again. It's, it's almost impossible to do it on your own. Like we can talk about like doing it on our own, but it really comes down to your teacher family in your hallway on your team talking about every day like that's i mean that's the only it's so hard to be a teacher right now there's so much expectations it's never been more difficult than it is right now and that's what it requires is talking about that sort of stuff every day and everybody taking a turn everyone talking it just takes a few minutes but to get focused on what we're really doing here because that kid in the golden corral that's awesome but i promise you there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens more that just you know you'll never know like you like they won't reach out you you won't see them in the Walmart but <laughs> that the impact has happened you know you have to look at it you know for me visually I have to look at it like you know the trajectory of it all and that is if you think like a laser look like a laser beam if you shift that thing just a tiny the tiniest you know millimeter of a degree upward. It doesn't look like anything right now. It doesn't look like anything today. But you have to think about this kid's lifetime over time. Over time, this kid is going to end up, I mean, in a whole different world because of that one little difference, that one little shift that we were able to make on that one day. Right. Absolutely. I love that. And as we're coming towards the end of this wonderful interview where you're sharing so many grains of wisdom, like this is jam-packed full of awesome stuff. Um what advice would you just give to teachers in general right now? Like, I know you've said a lot, but like, what's your, if you had to be like, this is it, do this, what would that be? You know, I would talk about um, the main things, like really getting clear. And this isn't, you know, these questions to answer what I want for my kids. What's the real lesson of the classroom? You know, when my kids are at the 30th high school reunion and they're talking about me and my class and what they learned in there. What do I want that to be? Get really clear about that and why that is and who I need to be to make that happen. You know, for me, man, I mean, it, it takes it takes a lot of time because these are really, really heavy questions. But to be able to dig into the emotion of those questions so you can articulate that clearly and to tell your kids every day to talk about that with your kids every day, because that's what our kids need right now. Is, is those can we like uh, obviously we need that too so we can teach but the kids need that as well and for me answering those questions and focusing on your classroom family bringing those kids in together closer and closer every day like that is the only way that we're gonna you know stuff some knowledge into that kid's noggin and affect their <laughs> heart and send them out the classroom door so that it lasts forever Right. I love that. I absolutely love that. And the reference of, you know, the classroom is, it's your family. That's your family. You're there for each other. You're supporting each other. Like that's a great, 
uh, picture toward yeah. what we do. Well, listen, man, like, you know, I, I don't know what the research is today. I haven't, I've tried to look it up. I couldn't find it, but I know back when I first became a teacher back in 1989, the research back then, I want to say it was eight minutes. A kid would spend eight minutes a day on average of direct interaction with a parent, eight minutes a day. And that was before cell phones. That was before social media. That was for, you know, having a thousand channels on the TV. That was before, you know, gaming. That was before all the yeah. other stuff. So can you imagine what that is today? And here's what I know is we have those kids in front of us every day. And I know this is a challenging part. This is like a challenging time in our nation's history. I get it. But what, but what, what keeps me positive and excited and fired up is the fact that we have the leaders of tomorrow in our classrooms today. We have the future of our nation with us every day. And, and, and that like, like we're the parent, like, like that, that is such an awesome, amazing responsibility. And I love that. Yeah. I, that's just humbling and exciting all at the same time when we begin to really embrace and think about, wow, our future is literally in our hands and we're, getting to shape that and that's also really cool because it's we're... cool it's exciting <laughs> it is humbling it's terrifying it's all of that <laughs> yeah we're like great influencers without being influencers like it's it's really yeah that's overwhelming but amazing at the same time when we yeah. think about we never know what we're going to have in our classroom or who they're going to become which i think is equally exciting and amazing because you know, even in talking with some of the teachers recently, their purposes have changed even, you know, in college. It's like, well, I thought this and then this happened. Like, it's just you never know when one little moment that you have with a student is going to, like you say, the laser pointer, you move it a little bit and then it forever changes the, you know, the impact in their life and where they're going. All right. Well, Hal, one thing I'd love to do at the end of my show is to allow you to shout out somebody who's been really important and influential in your own life, in your own, you know, who you are now and who you've become. So do you have a special person that you would like to shout out that's just really made a difference for your own teaching life, career, your presenting life? Man, that's a huge, I'll tell you what, yeah, you know, as we were talking, a, a student of mine came uh, uh, came into my mind, and his name is Nick Joseph, and um, and what, and he, I'll tell you real, it's a quick story, is one day he was um, talking about learning how to play the guitar, and we were all in class, I said, dude, you need to bring your guitar someday and sing us a song, and he said, okay, I never thought he would do it. And, you know, he's a senior in high school at the time. And he actually showed up one day with his guitar and he said, okay, I'll sing a song. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is not going to go well. Cause I know what it feels like to be embarrassed publicly as a musician. I know that's what's about to happen and it's going to be painful. And the kid was incredible. And like right then I figured out, wait a minute, like a part of my teaching career is no matter what I'm teaching is helping a kid, inspiring a kid, empowering a kid to find their passion, whatever that passion is. I don't even care. And to find right. that passion and just go all and, and help and, and really motivate a kid to go all in on that passion. Because for me, like, that's like, that's the progression. Like you, you help a kid find the passion and they go all in on that. And that leads to the next passion that leads to the next passion. And at some point in their adulthood, they're going to find their purpose because they've always been pursuing the passion so like that moment with that kid um, really shifted the trajectory of my teaching. That's awesome. Thank you for making that special shout out too. And I 
that's incredible when a student can change our own perspective and how we think about things. Like I always found that really powerful of like, whoa, you just made me think about things in a whole different way. So thank you for sharing that. And Hal, if our listeners want to reach out and get connected with you, how can they do that? Yeah, and it, my, I'm at uh, halbowman.com, H-A-L-B-O-W-M-A-N.com, and also at Hal Bowman on all the social media platforms, although I'm not really all that active, but I do check in re- every day. I just don't participate as much as I used to. That is fair. That is absolutely fair. And in your defense, you stay really busy, so right. you're kind of <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to stay offline, actually do this thing in person, like in real life. (laughs) That's awesome, especially after pandemic. In real life is just way more appreciated now. You're not kidding, man. I'm getting back into it, and it's been um, just been amazing getting out there and seeing what teachers are doing and reconnecting and and doing shows and speaking, and uh, it's been awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight on this exciting chance to get to talk about your why. And I really appreciate all the stories that you shared. I think that you've given teachers a lot to think about and, and a lot of nuggets of wisdom for us to, you know, take into our teaching in the next days, like really powerful. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. I appreciate you having me. You have been listening to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore our purpose and our why in the field of education. If you would like more information or to share your own purpose in education, be sure to connect with me on Twitter at A Heart for Teaching. I look forward to hearing from you soon and please tune in to the next episode of Our Heart for Teaching. Mm -hmm.